0: Hello everyone. I want to bring this message called From Crisis to Champions, which the Lord has put on my heart for all believers in Nagaland. You see, we are truly living in unprecedented times, situations that we have never faced before. And I believe in these times, God wants Christians not to be victims, not to be in fear, but to arise from this crisis as champions of Christ. What I feel when I see the situation around the world is like I am driving in the middle of a very long and complicated storm. There is rain and lightning and thunder, but not only that, it feels like there is strong winds and darkness all around. But not only that, I feel like I'm in the middle of a fog with flooding on the roads. And I have no idea how long the storm is going to last. I cannot see the end of the storm, except that I must keep on driving. And this is what it feels like when we see all that is happening in the world. It's like a storm with so many different components in it. Of immediate concern is the health crisis. But that is not the only component of the storm. There is an economic crisis, an economic storm, so to say, that is already creating havoc around the world. Companies have declared bankruptcy all around the world. Entire industries have folded or are folding. And governments seem, even though things are opening up around the world, they seem hesitant to open up completely until a vaccine or a cure is discovered millions have lost their job, incomes have decreased. And with that, we are going to see in the days ahead an impending epidemic of poverty that's going to affect the lives of people economically and also socially. So in the social space is again where we see another storm that is already happening, unreported, unseen, but I believe as big as the economic storm. And that's because when incomes drop, when uh, jobs are lost, when there is uncertainty for the future, at the same time, the fear of the pandemic, and not only that, with restrictions in place, distancing, isolation. When people are for lengthy periods isolated from meaningful, vital relationships, from where they found security, meaning and purpose and love, It's really going to affect people mentally and psychologically. You see, as human beings, we are created to live in relationships and not virtual relationships, but relationships of meaning, of intimacy, connection at a very close emotional and physical area in, in a very close emotional and physical way. So with lengthy periods of distancing, there is going to be effects in the mental and psychological well-being of people, which is going to show up in crisis in the social space. Um, Suicides, I believe, are going to increase. Depression is increasing. And what we're going to see is that even after the crisis dissipates, health, economic, yet the mental and psychological effect of this situation is going to increase even after the immediate crisis is over. And related to the mental and psychological well-being, we are also seeing an eruption of anger, passions, and emotions across the globe. It seems like there is uncontrolled anger, prejudice between races, against government, and also between nations. Media and politicians are using words today to stir up and sensationalize issues, words that they would have never used 10 years back. And this is only fueling the anger of the masses. And it seems that even in the coming years, we're going to see increased hostility between nations, races, communities, and also between religions. The divide between the liberals and the conservatives is not only going deeper, but also wider, with more hatred and anger involved. In the arena of politics is where we see another storm that is brewing. The wars of diplomacy and economy between the West and China will intensify. China wanting to expand its influence in Africa, in Asia and the South China Sea is gonna increase the tensions in these areas. Iran will continue to foster terrorism in the Middle East and also in Israel. Not only that, we're seeing that Russia wants to increase its influence and its former hegemony in the region. And in the pretext of safety, health and security, governments have increasingly invaded the privacy and rights of its citizens. It is unlikely that even after the COVID situation has gone, that governments will revert back to pre-2020 norms completely. So going into the future, how far in the pretext of peace, unity and security, how far will governments invade the privacy of its citizens through laws and taxation, and how far are citizens willing to bend without protesting, this is a matter of deep concern for believers going into the future. Religion is another space that we need to watch very closely. We're seeing an increase of persecution towards Christianity in China, in India, in Africa, and even in Europe and the West, primarily through media. The culture war, the storms in the religious space is only going to increase more and more. Liberal beliefs that are riding on platforms like the LGBTQ universities, media and entertainment, and even sports, and even through global companies and United Nations organizations is reducing the legitimacy of Christian beliefs, particularly in the West. We're going to witness, I believe, increased hostility and hatred towards Christianity, Christians, and the church in the days to come. Not only that, we're going to see many Christians and many denominations, I believe, are going to fall from their faith, compromise the truth, give in to the voices of fear and compromise, and will cease to have any salt and light influence in the society. In the East, The opposition towards Christianity is more outright political and violent persecution. But we're going to see all across the globe increased surveillance towards Christians. There will also, within the church, be an increase of doctrinal errors, heresy, Uh, cults, I believe, are going to increase. And I also sense that there is going to be beginnings of a false one world religion again in the pretext of security, charity, love, unity between races and between religions and between nations. And so we have to be watchful of what is developing in the arena of religion. Now, all these different components that I have shared seem like different components of a storm that are connected and intertwined. And depending on where we live, I believe we will be affected in varying degrees. And even though in Nagaland, it may seem like we are far from the epicenters of all of these different storms, yet we will be affected because we truly live in a global world where whatever happens in a part of the world affects us wherever we live today. And now I'm sharing these things, not to paint a gloomy picture, not to release hopelessness and fear upon you, but to enable us to have a real analysis of what is happening so that we, the church, will awake from our slumber. We will awaken from our sleep and truly be the church that God has called the church to be, a living church, a faith-filled church, a church that is walking in truth, a church that is walking in radical, surrender commitment and sacrifice to christ because i truly believe that all of these storms are happening also with a purpose and that is to sanctify the church to purify the church and to cause us to walk as committed believers because god's plan for the church still exists i want to read for you isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 to 3. the bible says arise shine For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And this is, I believe, a prophecy for the last days. The darkness shall cover the earth. And that's what we are seeing. And deep darkness, the people. So it's not just darkness, but deep darkness. A darkness of a proportion, of a complexity, of a sorcery that we have not seen before. People talk about the deep web, the web that is not seen by people, the web that is not accessible to search engines. People talk about the deep government. That means there are unseen characters and people controlling strategy, political policies, controlling government uh, companies that we have never heard of them. And we don't know what their agenda is. That's called a deep state. So there is going to be deep darkness. That means of a complexity, of an intricacy that we have not seen before. It's going to cover the earth. But over the church, and this is what I love, the word but. But the Lord will arise over you. That means over Christians. And his glory will be seen upon you. So even in the midst of the darkness, God wants his glory to manifest on the earth. The Gentiles shall come to your light. Gentiles, referring to unbelievers, people of all faiths, will come to your light. Now, the Bible doesn't say, will come to Jesus Christ. The Bible is saying, will come to your light, the light that is in the church. But that light is the light of Christ. But that light will not shine without the church. In fact, it will shine through the church. That means God wants the church... In these times of darkness to arise and to shine with his glory. And kings. The word kings here refers to heads of state. Executives of companies. Important people. Powerful people. People of influence. They will truly need answers in such times. They will need peace. They will need wisdom. They will need advice and counsel. How do we? navigate the uncertain terrain of the economy and politics so they will come the bible says to the brightness of your rising so it is god's will to send unbelievers the gentiles to the church it is god's will to send the kings the leaders to the church when the church will arise and shine that is god's plan for the church God's plan for every believer, that in the midst of all this darkness, we will awaken from our lukewarmness, our fear, our lack of faith, and we will awaken to speak the truth. Now, this is important because God's plan includes you. God wants to bless the church in these days. God wants to bless you, the believer. God wants to strengthen the church. God wants to release his wisdom to the church. God wants the church to be full of his spirit. Because only when we are full of the Holy Spirit, a spiritual church, will we truly rise in the glory and the light of God. God wants us to be a voice of influence, to be light and to be salt. That means influencing. God wants the church to be a refuge of peace, a refuge of health, a refuge of hope, a refuge of courage and strength in the midst of all the fear and anxiety in these days. You see, God's answer to the world for every crisis is always Jesus Christ. Jesus. And that means God's answer for the world is also the church. Why? Because the church is the body of Christ. Jesus will not come physically, personally, until he has to come during his time. Till then, the church has to represent Christ. The church is the ambassador of Christ. The church must be the body of Christ. So for God to answer the needs of the world with Christ as the solution, it is the church. It is you and I with Christ in us. We must arise and shine. So this is a clarion call. Whatever is happening around the world is a call to you and me from God. To come closer and deeper into him so that we can arise and shine. This is a call to follow the purposes of God. This is a call to let go of every sin and every weight that ensnares us and to pursue with passion the plans and the purposes of God. That means whatever we are seeing today, the storm that we are in, is a time of testing and separation for the true Christians from the fake ones, from the true church from the fake church, between true believers and those that were compromised and given to the ways of the world. You see, for too long, the church has been deceived by its own prosperity, by its own size, by its own glory, and by seeking the affirmation of the world. We look at our attendance, we look at the finances in Augeland. Finances, tithes and offerings are always healthy. We look at the events and the programs, our jubilees and so on and so on, always well attended. And we think we are fine. We look at the works of charity. We look at the buildings. We look at the missionaries and we think that we are doing fine. We look at the gifts of singing, our gifts of leading that are shining within the church and we think we are fine. But we need to ask ourselves the question, are we really making an influence In transforming society. In being light and salt to the world. Arise and shining. And to be able to do that, it all comes back to the heart. The heart. The heart. Not the events, our programs, our tradition, our form. The heart. The heart of passion. The heart of sold out Christianity. That heart of sacrifice and commitment that we saw in the early church. The apostles and the early believers. That without having any of the resources that we have today, yet with passion and zeal, they preached Jesus, they loved Jesus, they were committed even to the point of death, and they turned the whole world around within a very short period of time. It all comes from the heart. The heart. See, Christianity is not only about receiving from Christ, receiving from Christ, salvation, love, healing, blessings, But it is also about living for Christ and living for Christ by dying to self, by dying to selflessness, selfishness, and living a life of enduring commitment, a life of commitment, a life where we we are willing to sacrifice, to to go through suffering, to to obey because of a single-minded devotion to obey and follow Jesus Christ. This is, I believe, where God wants the church to be. God is using this situation to strengthen the church. Today, we see little of that. Maybe in Nagaland, we see little of this. We have raised up a generation of believers to think and to believe that they're entitled to all the blessings that come from the church, that come from the government. And so they complain for whatever little reason. We're raising up a generation of entitled people who, who want to keep on receiving and receiving and receiving without any commitment, without any sacrifice, without any faith. And that's what is happening. We're creating a generation of weak people. People who will be angry, unoffended at the slightest correction. People who are unwilling to obey and submit even to the smallest rules, not only of the church, but also of the government. And it shudders me to think that this is the generation that is going to face the crisis of the last days. How are we going to go through the situation that may get worse in the days to come with such kind of strength? Or should I say weakness? So the purpose of God, I believe, is this. To awaken the church, to awaken believers everywhere so that we will seek the face of God again. Not only seek the face of God, we'll be purified from the flesh. We'll be purified from our weakness and we'll become strong through the trials and tribulations that we go through. So these are times of sifting. God wants us to be separated from the flesh from the spirit. God wants us to be separated from the unclean and the pure. God wants us to be walking in the spirit. God wants us to live sanctified lives. Why is there such an emphasis on cleaning your hands, sanitization? Why? Because I believe there's a spiritual parallel here. There is an emphasis on God to the church. Cleanse yourself. Purify yourself of the things, the attitudes, the beliefs that are not right. Cleanse yourself of the things of the flesh, which is selfishness, lust, complaining attitude, and all of that. And begin to walk by faith in the spirit as people of character. I believe that's what God wants us to be doing in these days. Now, I want to read for you in Second Timothy chapter 3. First, I'll read verses 1 to 5, and then I will read from verse 10 onwards. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. So, this is very clear in the Scripture. Now, some grace people say, no, don't say anything about judgment, the last days, or the perilous times to come. Focus on the positive because God wants to pour out his blessings on the church. And that is true. But we must look at both aspects. Because Paul says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. So especially we're going to see selfishness. Selfishness, when we see the divide between the liberal and the conservatives, when we see the diplomacy of war and economy between the nations, when we see the hate and the prejudice between different communities and races, at the heart of it, it is purely selfishness. Lovers of money, and again, because of the self, boasters, proud, blasphemers, that's why we're gonna see an increase of persecution against the church, against Christianity, against Jesus Christ. There's a director in Hollywood that is already about to make a movie about Jesus being a lesbian, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. So we will see the spirit of the last days is that good will be called evil and evil good traitors headstrong haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of god and i believe some of these will be also seen in the church verse six i'm sorry verse five having a form of godliness but denying its power so there is also a form of godliness that we will see in false religion and also in christianity which is false which looks good as godly from the outside, but it has no power in the heart, denying its power, and from such people turn away. So God wants us to turn away from the spirit of the ages, from this that we see. How? Verse 10 tells us. In the context, what Paul is saying is this. If you will read verse 10 onwards, Paul is talking about the response. How do we respond as a church in the last days to all of these things that we will see? Verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, yes. And all, all, the word all means all, inclusive of all that is in context here, referring to Christians. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. Not only 1st century, 2nd century, 3rd century Christianity. Even today. All who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Now this is what we must be aware of as we head into these different kind of storms, so that we are prepared, we are strong. Our faith is already established. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we are going to see an increase of deception in these days. In the church, in the media, in government. If you understand a little bit about conspiracy theories, nothing is exactly as it seems. Now, I truly believe that there is a cabal of influential people that controls much of politics and economy around the world, which we don't know, whom we don't know. So there is a work of government in economy that happens in deception. People, actors behind the scenes. Now that is going to increase more and more in these days. Verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. Now, for a good example, even the Naga peace process. On the outside, people may say, we are fighting genuinely for Nagaland, But a lot of the extortion, a lot of the money is going into the personal pockets of these people. And it's a known fact, everybody knows it. People are afraid to say it. So that's what I mean by a spirit of deception. That people will say one thing, but they do another. And in government, in politics, And also in economy, that will increase in these last days because evil men will grow more evil. But you must continue in the things which you have learned. This is where Paul gives us a solution. We must continue in the things which we have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom we have learned them. So we must continue in the things we have learned from the word of God, from Jesus himself to us. Verse 15, and that from childhood. You have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the knowledge of holy scriptures will make us wise, the church, for salvation, to be rescued, to be delivered out of all of these dangers that the world is entering into. The scriptures will make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Even though we know scriptures, it must ultimately lead to faith in Christ Jesus. That is how Paul and God, the Holy Spirit, wants us to respond in such times. All right? So, we must continue in the things that we have learned. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means he does not change. In other words, his values do not change. Continue, he says, continue in the things that you have learned. Continue in the faith, continue in prayer, continue in the truth. So we as Christians, we must not change. No matter what difficulty we will go through, we must not change. What do I mean? Our values must not change. We must continue to be loving with the increase of hate around the world, We must continue to be loving. With the increase of deception, we must continue to be honest. With the increase of false teaching and lies, even through media, with the increase of heresy and cults, we must continue to be in the truth. Our values must not change. Our methods change the way we reach the world, but our values and our belief in the truth, it cannot change. We must continue in the things that we have learned. We must continue in a dependence on God through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, one truth I perceive is this. As the pandemic was announced and after that the lockdown, people had to be isolated with their own immediate families. And those who were staying outside, people all around the world wanted to go back home to their own families, to their own homes, to their own villages. And as I was watching that, I perceived this that there is a message here for the world for the church and what is that god is asking us to go back to our roots our roots especially for believers in nagaland this is what the lord impressed upon my heart god wants us to go back to our roots what is that our relationship with god our relationship with our family and our relationship with our nature go back to the roots our Our culture, our society, or should I say more the land that God has given to us. The land. You see, our spiritual health, well-being comes from a relationship with God. So that is a primary concern during these times. Don't let all the fear, all the news distract you from seeking God. Because that's where God is driving us, bringing us to. That is of utmost concern. Time for relationship with God is a number one priority in these times. That's where all our wealth, well-being will come from. Number two, our emotional and psychological well-being comes from our relationship with the family, our family, our immediate family. I've heard so many people say that even though they had good friends, even though they had good standing in society at the point of death, their only regret was that they did not spend more time with the children or with their spouses. So the majority of regrets people have relationally towards the end of their life is really just their own immediate family to love them and to be with them. So our emotional and mental well-being comes from our relationship with our immediate family. And also that includes the church family too. And thirdly, our physical well-being comes from our relationship with nature. The diet the kind of food that we eat is it organic is it you know affected by all the chemicals so when we come back here we see that a lot of nagas have gone back to farming um maybe just garden kitchen or back into the villages or farms now that's a very healthy sign because i truly believe that as a people if we have to look at what god has given to us from where our destiny, our future will come forward as a people. Land is one of the main things. The second thing is culture. The third is tourism because it's connected to land and the culture. It is very unlikely that huge companies will come and set up industries here in Nagaland. Very unlikely because of our terrain, because of the ecosystem, banking, um, population, um, the business culture here. It's very unlikely that it will happen in the next five, 10, 20 years. So if all the people who have come back, who were working outside and are looking for jobs, either in the government or in the private sector, very unlikely that even 5% will be employed. What are we going to do? We have to look at what God has put in our hands from the times of our ancestors. When Moses was about to go to Egypt to deliver Israel, he asked, Lord, what can I do? I have nothing. And then God said, what do you have in your hand? Moses had a staff. So God said, I will use what you have in your hand. We will begin there. So God will bless what is in the hands. What's in the hands? What has he given to the Nagas, the steward from the generations? Our land. Our agricultural knowledge and wisdom passed down from years. The herbs, the plants that we have, that is where God will begin from. And if and many of us will go back to nature, go back to farming, whether it's fruits, whether it's herbs, whether it's some plants, I believe when we do it in a new way, a new method, through study, through creativity, through innovation, that is where God will bless and that is where our destiny and our wealth will come from as a people. So these are days where God is really bringing us back to relationship relationship with family relationship with him and relationship with the land that we call home so if you will meditate on this and prayerfully seek God I believe God will speak to many of you in this area you see these are times where we must die to self and seek God I want to bring you back again to 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 10 and I want to look at the main things that Paul talks about that we must build as a response to the crisis the confusion the deception of the last days verse 10 but you have carefully followed my doctrine so Paul says here first my doctrine carefully follow my doctrine now what is doctrine doctrine is more than just a truth doctrine is the entire counsel of God's word that we must believe. Not just faith in a verse or in a topic like healing, but the faith that was delivered by the revelation of God through the Apostle Paul and also in the writings in the New Testament. The faith, which is sound counsel of all the different areas and aspects in the Word of God. Now, the Bible says we must be established in doctrine. We must follow the doctrine. Doctrine. Why? Why? Because we may believe certain portions of scripture, but unless we are established in the doctrine, we can be laid astray by false teachings, by heresy, or by cults. So many young people started joining this Chinese cult that even though they know Christ in the word, they've been taught, they've been exposed to songs, yet they could not discern the error in their teachings because they're not established in the doctrine. So a lot of Christians will fall away through LGBTQ mandate, liberal teachings in the last days because they may know of scripture here and there, but they are not following the whole doctrine. doctrine. Many Christian leaders are falling away. So it's not just a verse or two, a promise that we believe. We must follow the doctrine that Paul says he has established through his teachings. Secondly is this, my manner of life. That means practical, ethical, moral Christianity practiced important, not only doctrine, but also practice, not only dogma, but also ethics. I think they must go hand in hand. The debate in the church, which is more important, doctrine or practice, dogma or ethics, and sometimes we may emphasize so much on dogma that we may agree to all the tenets and creeds of our faith, and yet in practical living, we have little of it. We see that so much in Nagaland, where we have nominal Christianity. We are so loyal to our church. We are so loyal to our denomination. But Monday to Saturday, we are not loyal to Christ in the office, in corruption, in lying, in cheating, and so on, where we are more loyal to tribalistic concerns rather than to integrity and morality. For example, when it comes to corruption, when it comes to things that come out in society, As a Naga, we will go to church and pray and fast, and then we will support somebody from our own village, from our own tribe, who has done wrong, who is corrupt, who has been, you know, highlighted in media and in newspapers. And yet, we, knowing that he is wrong, we will still support him because, hey, because from our same village, our same tribe, you see. That's what I mean by believing in the tenets of Christianity without having the practice of it, the value and the ethics of it. So we see little of ethics and justice in a society. Another great example is when there are accidents, minor accidents usually, not major ones, minor, just a bump on the body, uh, a small accident, old car, but they come and demand a new car. Now that in my belief is not Christian justice and it's not Christian ethics. They will demand a completely new car. And sometimes it's even people who are leaders in the church. Now, that those are issues of ethics and practice that I believe we must look into ourselves and begin to practicing according to the word of God, not just according to our customs, our tradition, and our village laws and our traditions here as a people. Another great example is customary law. In the excuse of customary law, many times we just um, overlook major offenses, even like rape, even like murder. We just cover it up, saying that, oh, they have settled, they have excused one another, they have said sorry, and we settle even rape issues, abuse issues through customary law. But I believe we must go deeper than customary law, we must go into true Christian ethics and morality. The third word is this, purpose. Paul says, follow my purpose. These are times, I believe, to really follow the purpose of God, to live in eternal purposes. The COVID pandemic exposed the shallowness of materialism, entertainment, Hollywood, Bollywood. They are non-essential to life. You don't need them to have a meaningful purpose for life. But how much do we really follow them? How much do we pursue them? How much do we idolize them? It is absolutely ridiculous. I believe this is time to really seek for purpose in life. Live for eternal purposes. Live for the kingdom. Only eternal purposes. Souls, the gospel, the kingdom of God. Those are the most important things. Every other thing is meaningless. Faith. That's what Paul says. These are times to live by faith, not to live by fear, not to live by feelings, not to live by anxiety and hopelessness and believing everything we hear on media, the reports of men. No, these are times to live by faith. Be thankful every day, be hopeful every day that things are going to change. People are expecting a new normal where how we are today is going to be the normal for the next five to 10 years. I don't believe this is a new normal. This is the situation we're going through. These are times where we have to adjust because of the situation. But I believe things are going to get better because God has a plan for the church to preach the gospel in all the world. So we must live by faith. That means we must keep on practicing what we've been taught to preach, including giving our tithes and our offerings. The widow of Zarephath in the time of drought, she gave And her giving to the prophet Elijah opened a way for God's justice of provision to come into our life. Justice and grace, they flow together. Because today, justice and grace is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. So, we must continue to be in faith. Long-suffering. Paul says long-suffering. This is how we respond to the perilous times of these ages. We must become Christians who are long-suffering. Now Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from poverty and sickness and spiritual death and fear and depression and so on. But Christ has not delivered us from long suffering, because long suffering is a fruit of the spirit, which is self-control, which is patience, which Christians need to have in order to go through trials and tribulation and persecution. And the only way to learn patience is to be patient. The only way to learn long-suffering is to go through times of suffering like what we are doing today. So be positive. Allow these moments to build character and strength and long-suffering in you. Because you will need that in the days to come. Love is the next word. It is so easy to give in to hate, anger in such times. Especially when we listen to people. People who accuse the Nagas of eating dogs and killing all the dogs. And I don't understand why so many Nagas have responded in a similar vein. Now that is really stupid. The Bible says to answer a foolish man in the way that he spoke to you is also foolishness. I believe this is time for love. This is time for guarding our hearts. Why? Guarding our hearts is so important because when we guard our hearts through love, our hearts are pure. When our hearts are pure, we can see God. That means we will see what God is doing. We will see the spiritual things that are happening beyond the natural things, and we will make decisions that will protect us and preserve us going forward. That's why our hearts are important because the place where God speaks to us is our hearts. So we must keep our hearts from offense, from darkness, from bitterness, from hatred. How do we do that? By choosing to walk in love, even to those who persecute us. Perseverance. Perseverance means to never give up, no matter what you are going through. This is what is going to be needed in the last days. Never, never give up. No matter how fearful, no matter how difficult, no matter how many days you have not slept, don't give up. Suicide is giving up. Depression means that sometimes we are giving up and allowing that to affect us. Compromise is giving up. Perseverance is never giving up. No matter how long it takes for the promise to manifest. Like Abraham, 25 years for the promise to manifest in his life. He didn't give up. He kept on holding on to the word of God, no matter how old he became. The Bible says he did not consider his own body, nor his wife's body, but he was fully convinced about the promise of God. And he kept on looking to the promise. Never, never give up. All who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. And that's why we need these values, these things that we just read. Doctrine, character, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, and of course, prayer. Prayer. Because I truly believe when the rubber hits the road, the rubber of our faith hits the road of life, the first response is always prayer. Prayer is a place where we are completely dependent on God and also completely in faith. Because we are saying in our prayer, Lord, I cannot, but Lord, I believe you can. In our prayer, we are saying, Lord, you have the power to change the situation. I have not. That's that's why I am praying and I'm asking you, all things are possible to those who believe are possible only in the place of prayer. So these are times where we must be praying more and more and more, So that we can enter into a place of deep intimacy with God from where God will begin to speak to us, guide us, and lead us so that we can be doing what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And in that place of prayer is also where we'll be allowing God to do his real work within us. Because the main issue is not the storm, it's us. The main subject of whatever is happening in the world today is the church. How is the church responding to this storm so that we can arise and shine and walk in the purposes of God so that the light that must go forth out of the church will be bright so that we can become an influence, a voice that brings refuge to the world. So the main issue is really you and me. How are we allowing God by humility, by dependency, by faith, through this situation to transform our lives, to let go of the flesh and be people of the Spirit, to let go of our sins and be people of sanctified purity, holiness. How are we allowing God to do that? The main issue is not the storm. So don't just be waiting for the storm to get over and not allow whatever time period we're going through this to transform you. To change you. You see. Because through this crisis. God wants to bring forth champions. The decision is up to you. If you will respond to God. By faith. Out of this situation. God will make you a champion. Not a victim. But a man of faith. Not a complainer. But a man of faith. A man of courage. Not a man of bitterness. But a man of love. That is the Christian that will arise and shine. It is how we respond in the situation. God is waiting for you. God is waiting for us. Don't delay. Don't hesitate. Don't just wallow in your self-pity. And in your crisis. In your pain. And be wondering what is happening. Why are these things happening. And always have doubts and questions every day. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Depend completely upon him. Get down on your knees and begin to pray. Pastor, I don't know how. Begin to pray. Just get down on your knees and just begin. Begin somewhere. And as you begin, he will lead you, he will guide you, and he will show you. So allow whatever is happening to bring forth the purposes of God in your life. Don't let these be wasted times. God wants to bring forth champions out of the crisis. But it's up to us. We can go through this time of crisis and have no value added to our lives and not be the church he wants us to be. Or we can respond by our responsible decision. And then, after this crisis has dissipated, we will be positioned to take advantage of what God wants to do on the earth in these last days. The days that we're going into is like a storm of several components wherein. We are truly going to need the Word of God, the Holy Spirit and faith, and deep intimacy with God. So I encourage you to begin to do all of these things. God bless you. I truly blessed. I truly believe that you are blessed uh, through this sharing. And I want to pray for you and end, and I pray that wherever you are watching this from, you will also be praying together with me right now. Come, let me pray. Father, I just pray a blessing over everyone that is watching. And I pray that this sharing has given them wisdom and understanding so that they begin to make the necessary adjustments, rearrangements in their life by faith, by sincerity, by humility, by a decision to follow you with all their heart from today, that by a decision to let go of the flesh and to follow the things of the Spirit, by a decision to be people of truth and people without compromise, O Lord, And I pray that as they commit their lives to you and they follow you and seek you, Father, I pray that even through this time of crisis, you will be bringing forth champions out of the church who will be positioned to be the light, the salt, that the Gentiles and the kings of this world will come to seeking for answer and refuge, O Lord. So Father, I bless your people who are watching this and I bless your holy name in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. And we will see you very soon in our services.
1: If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9, eight that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in, and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 7005684533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.